Hey guys, um, Jeff Griffin here. Appreciate this opportunity to uh, to be with you. And uh, thank you for spending some time with me because I know that there could be a thousand different things that you could be doing than right here. Um, but I've learned that um, there is power in organized effort. And so thanks for being with me. And uh, I just want to share with you uh, a few things about who I am. You may not know who I am. Uh, my name is Jeff Griffin. I will get to, to a little bit of context behind that. But what I want to, to start out here is if you think you already know the answer, you'll never ask the question. And if you don't ask the question, you'll never receive the answer. That's something that I learned um, just, just recently in this journey that I want to share with you. And... Um, and I've, and I've also learned, too, that a basketball in my hands is worth about $19. But a basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. It depends on whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth about $6. A baseball in Derek Jeter's hands is worth about $25 million. It depends on whose hands it's in. A golf club is useless in my hands. A golf club in Tiger Woods' hands is a major championship. It depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a toy. A slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. It depends on whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves in Jesus' hands will feed thousands. It depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands would produce pain and discomfort. Nails in Jesus Christ's hands will provide salvation for the entire world. It depends on whose hands they're in. As you see now, it depends on whose hands it's in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, and your relationships in God's hands. Because it all depends on whose hands they're in. One thing that I've learned over these years, you know, what you can't see and what you can't tell is, is I'm in a wheelchair. I speak all over the world and um, I've been compared to, you know, the David Goggins without the mouth or maybe even Tony Robbins at a fraction of price. Um, but uh, I just like to think of myself as just me, an under ordinary guy who, who um, tries to do the ordinary, just a little extra. And um, what I like to do is I like to address the elephant on stage whenever I show up and, and, you know, I come rolling out on in a wheelchair. And I just like I'm like let's just address the elephant on stage about how good looking I am, and uh, I'm completely joking about that as too. But uh, I am in a wheelchair. I haven't always been in a wheelchair, and I broke my back when I was 21 years old. In between football seasons, it left me paralyzed from the waist down, and it changed my life forever. And I've had some experiences throughout my life that uh, have helped me get back up and help me to move forward and help me to get out of that syrupy, sticky son of self-pity that I entered in. And, um, and, and I've learned some things. I've learned that there's peace in the pain. I've learned to find peace in the pain. And I've also learned too, that everyone has pain and it doesn't matter what size it is. I've learned that pain hurts. So if any of you guys are, um, trodden down with concerns, with worries, with fears, um, you know, with 
lack of hopes and dreams and your family is is struggling your family with your relationship with them and your friends and with god i want you to know one truth that i truly do believe um that comes from howard w hunter and he said that whatever jesus lays his hands upon lives if he lays his hands upon a marriage it lives if he is allowed to lay his hands on the family it lives and if i can if I can add um, my own is if he, if you allow Jesus to lay his hands upon you, you live. And that's what I want to share with you guys a little bit tonight is uh, um, three things that will help us know Jesus Christ, not just know about him and, and not just, um, you know, talk about him, but to actually know Jesus Christ. And, and this journey that I've been on has been amazing. Um, but to kind of give you a little context of where I am today, currently, right now, as you're listening to me, as you're watching or whatever it might be, um, I've been on a crazy journey. As I mentioned to you before, I was a collegiate football player. In between seasons, I found myself on my back next to an unpainted barn. I had fallen 40 feet, stuck the landing perfect, legs came up, back came down, L1 vertebrae shattered. Dreams of playing football over and um, it changed my life. Um, I'm lying there on my back contemplating what now because I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't, uh, I, I, I was, I was in a world of hurt. You know, my, my dreams of playing football in college, you know, I had strived so hard to get to that point where I was. I played two downs in football. Lavelle Edwards, um, recruited me to go play football at BYU. And that was all over. My identity that was all wrapped up in that was gone. And, um, you know, I always tell people that, you know, Growing up, I was an SOB. And what I mean by that is I was a son of a bishop. I, I knew the gospel. I understood the gospel up in here in my head. And I could tell you the answers, at least the answers that were, uh, that were pa- packaged for us to, to understand and to know. And I, I served the mission in Spain and um, Barcelona. I was there during the 92 Olympics. And when I came home, I, I played um, football. And that's when I got hurt. And what was interesting is I received the news from the doctors that I would never walk, never stand, never move my legs again. And that's what I, that's what I like to address on stage to everybody. And I want to address with you too. You know, I may be in a wheelchair and I may have been given a life sentence to never walk, stand, or move my legs again. Uh, the experts also told me I'd never have kids. Um, some of the experts said I'd never get married. You know, not because of my wheelchair, but just because of who I am. Um, but... Boom, I have uh, four beautiful biological kids. Been married, we just celebrated our 24th anniversary. And and the beauty of it is, is I can now get up out of my chair and I can walk, I can take a few steps forward. And um, and the message I want that I typically address on stage is I may be physically paralyzed, but I believe most of us, if not all of us are paralyzed from the demons of doubt, fear and complacency. And if you've experienced those demons, you're not alone. And, uh, and I had to sift through my broken back and shattered dreams. And I discovered some flux of gold. And as I mentioned before, as I went from the, the job site to the emergency room where they took a picture of my back and, and confirmed my fears that I was, I was paralyzed and that I would, would be in a wheelchair. And the doctors told me that I had to learn life from a wheelchair. And my identity that was all wrapped up in sports and athleticism was taken away from me. But from that journey of the job site to the hospital, I found peace in the pain. And what I mean by that is the Prince of Peace. 
And I also discovered some things too while at the hospital that a, um, a prisoner, a prisoner at the hospital, as I mentioned before, you know, I was still de- devastated. And I entered into that sauna, that syrupy sticky sauna of self-pity and um, wanted everyone else to come in there with me. Come join the pain. Come join the, the sorrow, the, uh, the sadness and the unfairness of this whole situation. And I was eating lunch one time. <clears throat> they wouldn't feed us anymore in the hospital unless we got out of our beds and went to the hospital, into the cafeteria. And so I, I got up, it took me 30 minutes to get out of my bed with the help of two nurses, got into my wheelchair and we went to the cafeteria. And <clears throat> I just wanted to be alone. And I grabbed my food and I was crying. I was flavoring the food with my tears. And I went to the furthest place that I possibly could be away from people. I don't know if you've if you've experienced this as well, where when you're hurting, when you've been hurt before, you're experiencing pain, you want to just distance yourself. And a lot of times we distance ourselves from the very thing that's going to help us. And so I distanced myself, went to the corner. I was, I was you know, feeling sorry for myself. I was flavoring my food with my tears and this this tray plops down in front of me and I was about to look up and tell the person to go somewhere. And um, with some colorful words that I'm not going to tell with, share with you right now. And before I could say anything, the young man across from me asked me a question that changed my life forever. And the question that he asked me was, why are you crying, dude? And I'm like, what? Like, why are you crying, dude? And in his third speech, I recognized the question he asked me is, why are you crying, dude? And that question just snapped me out of my self-pity. And I looked around and I'm like, why am I crying? Yeah, I might be paralyzed from the waist down, but I'm not paralyzed from the neck down. I don't have a halo screwed to my skull and I, I don't have somebody feeding me. And um, I could give hugs and I could feel, um, you know, my arms and move my arms and transfer, even though it took me forever. And that question changed my life forever. Why are you crying, dude? And um, it re it set me back on a journey that uh, allowed me to dream again, allowed me to pick up the pieces and to dream new dreams. And I hope if any of you guys have had your dream shattered, you know, you've fallen 40 feet, the scaffolding has slipped out from underneath you or, or you've received some information or other things have, you know, rocked your world and your testimony is kind of like, woof, what do I do? I want you to know that, um, um, that that's okay. And that you can pick yourself up and you can dust yourself off and understand that anything Jesus touches lives. And I allowed Jesus to uh, touch my life, and I went on to dream new dreams. Um, you know, I play wheelchair basketball. I was four-time MVP at the All-Star Game events. Uh, that's me around five of the defenders. I'd like to believe I made the shot. While I was at the All-Star events a couple of years, Guinness was there and happened to be a two-time Guinness World Record. And because of these other experiences, you know, I was always wanted to play on the big stage at, at uh, BYU, but I didn't realize I was going to play on the big, st- big stage at the Paralympics. I played in Athens, Greece, and I've also been able to take um, my experience and create a peer-to-peer leadership um, program that's uh, taken all over the world. Now, the reason why I share this with you is because this right here is what matters the most for me. This is right here is what, uh, why I do everything. And I was told that I'd never have any children. I have four beautiful biological kids and I've been married for 24 years. But, uh, but it's not about me. Um, I've learned that it's about 
lifting others and helping others get up out of their chairs that uh, they're sitting in, that's causing them to not move forward, causing them to not um, pursue what God wants us to do. You know, Moses one thirty nine, he says that, behold, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. When I was younger, as I mentioned, I was an SOB, a son of a bishop. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, absolutely, God, that is your work and that is your glory. Good luck, have fun, make it happen. And I didn't realize that my work and my glory is to keep his commandments. And so um, throughout this journey, I've been in a chair longer than I have out. I've been in a chair for 27 years. My dream is still to walk and to stand. And, and as I mentioned, I can get up and move a little bit. And I've learned some things along this journey. And uh, in the process, I, I, I taught seminary and institute for 16 years. Um, I had a seminary teacher that uh, held my feet to the fire and says, Jeff, you need to make a decision. Like Joshua, choose, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm like, okay, absolutely. And so I had a, I had a seminary teacher that, uh, that changed my life. And so when I um, got hurt and I couldn't play football anymore, I'm like, okay, now what? What can I do? And so I decided that I wanted to be a seminary teacher so I could change lives as well. And so I have um, been teaching seminary for 16 years and seminary and institutes. And, and I love what I did, but I learned that I couldn't do what I love. And, um, and I learned some other things along the way as well. And I've, I've had some people ask me to do firesides and EFY session director and, um, have, have been all over the world sharing a message of hope, sharing a, a message of Jesus Christ, because I really do believe that Jesus Christ is the key in changing the impossible into the possible without changing, you know, your circumstances, you know, um, he can change those for you. Whatever Jesus touches lives. Um, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because in, in seminary and institutes, what I've learned here is, is that, um, they educate us to teach from the sources. And what I mean by that is they, they educate and teach us that uh, the sources are, of course, the scriptures. And, of course, you have to teach from the, the manuals that have been passed through co the correlation department. You've got to teach the curriculum that uh, they have in front of you. And you, you have to teach from the conference talks. That's the sources that they expect you to teach. And if it's anything older than five years, then they don't want you to use it. They want you to use the current information similar to the... Um, collegiate level and the education, educational world. I've got my master's in education and curriculum. And uh, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. I could see that. But what was happening over the years is I noticed that I was relying on the sources instead of the source. If that makes sense. My relationship that I had with my heavenly father at one time was starting to drift away. I used to always say that I used to have more spiritual experiences. I had more spiritual experiences in scouts than I did on my mission. And I had some pretty good spiritual experiences. I'm not going to get into them. But um, what was happening during those 16 years is I personally, I'm not saying this is everywhere, but I personally noticed that my relationship with my Heavenly Father was drifting. And uh, there's some things that my dad taught me growing up. And, you know, I said I was an SOB, a son of a bishop. I, you know, my dad went on to be a stake president as well. And, and, and so I, I got to see how the church works from the sidelines and see how things happen. And um, 
And I'm sorry, but um, I, I got to see some things on how things work and how they happen. But um, I always just thought that it was God's work and his glory. It was his work and his glory and that... Uh, um, and that there were certain things that we, we needed to do in order to to gain God's favor, um, and I and I share that with you because um, I you know I had some experience, spiritual experiences and my relationship with my heavenly Father was drifting away as I mentioned before, and um, what I wanted to do was to regain. I wanted to regain that relationship with my heavenly Father. And uh, throughout this 16 year journey, you know, I noticed that there was, yeah, I could, I, I could tell you right now that I could package all the gospel talk. I have I had all the gospel top, topics packaged perfectly. I could pull them out. I could pull out the, the topic of plural marriage. I could pull out the, the topic of uh, blacks and the priesthood. I could pull out the topics of the steps that the, you needed to do to, in order to obtain perfection. And I was able to, you know, take them out and what I thought were great explanations according to the sources. But I realized that I wasn't teaching from the source and I wasn't relying upon the source. And what I mean by that is teaching by the Spirit and not just teaching by the Spirit, but also having that relationship with my Heavenly Father. And, uh, and so I committed myself to regain that relationship with my Heavenly Father. And and that's that's where I was going. I forgot. That's why I was going. Is my dad and and uh, my mom? They taught me a little bit about uh, the gospel, and uh, and they taught me that uh, there is a second comforter. They taught me about my calling, election, made sure. And so, you know, I've been baptized at eight. I received the priesthood at twelve. I went on my mission. I came home. I got married in the temple. And and now here I am trying to st- strive for that calling, that second comforter, that calling, election, made sure. And so, and I also noticed too while teaching seminary. Um, that there's a difference between the Church of Christ and the Church of the Firstborn, and um, and I want and my greatest desire is to be a celestial heir of the Most High God. That is my greatest desire. And so, in this whole process, I'd, I'd, I'd be asked to go and speak at these firesides. I would teach at EFY. I was a session director. Me and my wife were a session director at EFY. My wife loved it. It was like a spiritual, you know, spiritual experience for her. And and um, and she's like, "We're doing this again, whether you want to or not. We're doing this again." And she loved it. And we we had some impact. We made some impact on these kids. Um, and a question that I would always ask whenever I went to and spoke at a fireside because I, I realized that. Uh, um, you know, God has some expectations for us. And so I would just do a quick little quiz and I'm going to do that with you as well. And, and I would ask two questions. And so I have two questions plus one because I've added an additional question that I, that I ask people. And question number one is, does Heavenly Father really expect us to be perfect? I was asked to teach a early morning seminary in um, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia over the internet. And I didn't realize that uh, it was two hours earlier than, than us. And um, and so I had to wake up at four thirty to to help them out. And they they asked me, I'm like, do you? They're like, do you want to share your story or do you want to teach thirty five twelve? And I'm like, thirty five twelve, absolutely. And so I asked them at the very very beginning to to do this little quick survey. And the question was, does Heavenly Father expect us to be perfect? And I asked them to either say yes or no. And and the answer started coming back, saying no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. 
and there was about three, 200 people on the, on the Zoom. And so then I asked the second question. And the second question is, was Jesus Christ perfect during his mortal ministry? And I asked him to answer those questions as well. And it was yes, 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 no, yes, 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 no, 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 yes, 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 no, yes, yes, no. And um, and I and and it was great. It was a great um, a great thing to uh, to start with because, as I mentioned before, at the very very beginning, if you think you know the answers already, you're never going to ask the question. And if you don't ask the questions, you're not going to receive the answers. And this year in, in, in Come Follow Me, it's all about the Doctrine and Covenants. And, um, and I love the fact that Joseph Smith mentions the phrase, ask of God about five times, nearly a half dozen times as you go throughout that uh, experience where he says, ask of God, ask of God. And so with this questions, these two questions plus one, does Heavenly Father expect us to be perfect? Well, 3 Nephi 12, you guys can go there with me. 3 Nephi 12, you know, I love 3 Nephi 12 because it is the beginning of the blueprint to perfection. And um, and Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is, is the similar sermon that was given in Jerusalem. And 3 Nephi 12, 13, and 14 is the same sermon that is, that is given in the Americas. And it was interesting to just get their get their insights and get their thoughts. And it was interesting, you know, and again, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you what these answers are, but I but what I find interesting is in Matthew chapter five, you know, Jesus Christ in verse 48 teaches us what Jesus Christ's expectations are. And uh, and he clearly lays them out. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, and 35, 12, verse 48, uh, I love that they're the same verses. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And so here are the expectations laid out by Jesus Christ. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And uh, and so I always, so then I asked them, like, well, why didn't he include himself? Because the, the, the second question was, Jesus Christ perfect during his mortal ministry? And, and again, like I mentioned to you before, yes, no, what, well, what is it? What's the answer? Um, and then, and if you go to third Nephi chapter 12 and third Nephi chapter 12, again, it's, it's the, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the blueprint to perfection. And you guys already might have it memorized. You already might know what it is, but third Nephi chapter 12, verse 48, um, here is what uh, he says to the people in the Americas. And he says, Therefore, I would that ye should be perfect, even as I or your Father who is in heaven is perfect. So who does he include in this scenario? And why didn't he include himself back in Jerusalem? I love the Greek word for perfect, and it means complete, whole. Therefore, I would that you should be perfect, complete, whole, even as I or your Father who is in heaven is complete or whole. Section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants kind of gives us another insight of, um, of the answer to question number two. But those are the expectations, and those are the things that I love to just ask um, the people that I talk to. And so, uh, again, going back to 
if you think you know the answers, you're never going to ask the questions. And if you never ask the questions, you're never, you're, you're never going to receive the answers. And I believe that there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the worlds were created. And there's certain things that we must do in order to receive the blessings. And, um, and I believe that um, we learn what those things are in the previous chapters, 13 and 14. Of course, chapter th- chapter 13 of 35 is Matthew 6. And chapter 14 of uh, 35 is Matthew 7. And that's where I want to go with you is, is to share with you um, these three things that will help us know Christ. Because that's my greatest desire. My greatest desire is to know Jesus Christ, not just to know about him, not just to talk about him, not just to, you know, discuss facts and figures you know who's his father who's his mother who's his earthly father who's his earthly mother and and so forth and so forth and and a, a lot of times you know as as a summary teacher i got hung up teaching some of the context and some of the sources instead of teaching about the source which leads me to this third question two questions plus one and that is have you received the Holy Ghost. That's what I want. To, that's what. That's what I want to uh, to pass on. That's the third question I want you guys to ask yourself: Is have you received the Holy Ghost? Because what's interesting here is going back to thirty-five, chapter twelve. The the first thing, again, something I've learned by being in a wheelchair and taking some steps and taking those first steps. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And so often we get overwhelmed because we think of this word perfection. We think of this word complete. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this all at once. And a lot of times we guess the gospel. I don't know if you're tired of guessing the gospel. And so because we guess the gospel at times, it becomes overwhelming. And Satan comes in here and swoops and and, uh, shares some things with us that causes us to um, be confused. It causes us to get off course. It causes us to think that this is the way. And in reality, it is not the way. And and so the adversary can come in and whisper and, and let us know that, hey, listen, you made a mistake. You're a sinner. And I've learned for myself that all sins are mistakes, but not all mistakes are sins. And so we've got to understand what God expects of us. And I love the very, very first step that God wants us to take. And it has to deal with the third question. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Because the very, very first thing that he says back in 35 chapter 12, after he, he after, you know, he teaches us the, the expectations. And after reminding us of how long it took Jesus Christ himself to be perfect, he teaches us, you and I, what we need to do in order to know Jesus Christ, my greatest desire. And that is found in verse one of 35 chapter 12. And it reads, And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words unto Nephi and to those who had been called, now the number of them who had been called and received power and authority to baptize was twelve. And behold, he stretched forth his hand unto the multitude and cried unto them, saying, Blessed are ye if ye shall give heed unto the words of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you and to be your servants. 
And unto them I have given power that they may baptize you with water. And after that ye are baptized with water. Behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, blessed are ye if ye shall believe in me and be baptized after that ye have seen me and know that I am. So I share this with you um, because I've been a member for 40 years. I was baptized at eight. I just got done baptizing my youngest daughter um, last year. I laid my hands upon her head and I told and I confirmed her a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I, and I said unto her, receive the Holy Ghost. And I always assumed that I had received the Holy Ghost as a young kid. Because so I went on to get the priesthood at 12. I went on to go on my mission. I went on to get married in the temple. And there's a lot of things I had assumed over these years. Elder Maxwell, and I can still hear his voice. It says, of all the heirs mortals can make. Being wrong about the plan of salvation is the wrong thing to be wrong about. And I would like to include an ad of all the heirs mortals can make. The Holy Ghost is the wrong thing to be wrong about. Because at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, there is a perfect path on how to get to that tree of life. To obtain immortality and eternal life. Which, which is the greatest gift of, of all. And that's the greatest desire that I have. And I assumed that I was on that path. And I was searching for my second comforter. To receive my to receive my calling and election made sure. And I, and I shared some things with people and like, oh, you're not supposed to talk about it. I'm like, well, that's interesting because my dad mentioned it to me. And, and so coming back full circle here. And so um, hopefully this all makes sense. And so a few years back, I recommitted to um, have a relationship with my Heavenly Father and not rely upon the sources, but to rely upon the source and to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father and to know Jesus Christ, not just to know about Him and not just to teach Him, uh, teach about Him. And, uh, and and let me tell you, I could, I could pa- package it perfectly, or at least I thought I could. And I remembered that, okay, if I want to reestablish this relationship, I've got to put in some time, I've got to put in some effort. And so... I started to ask questions like Joseph Smith. You know, James 1.5. James 1.5, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going to attempt to uh, repeat it. I don't have it memorized. But if you guys recall, James 1.5 was, uh, was the verse that caused Joseph Smith to go into the grove and ask that question. Because, you know, I always ask myself, why did Joseph Smith go into this grove? Did he want to start a whole organization? Did he want to start a whole movement? Did he want to um, cause his name to be had for both good and evil? Or was there another reason? And uh, James 1, 3 through 5, you know, if you remember, knowing this, that, he, that the, the trine of your faith worketh patience. But let patience... Have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and, and entire, wanting nothing. So again, coming back to this idea of perfection, what is God's expectations of us? 
And in verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And so again, I'm like, okay, well, I need to do this. When I was 16 years old, I, you know, I, I attempted to ask and receive. And, and I remember I'm like uh, getting down my knees. I'm like, tell me, Father, if, if this church is true, send me an angel just like a Joseph Smith. In fact, you appear and I will believe. And nothing happened. So I'm like, okay, maybe I got to go to the mountain. And so I got on my motorcycle and went up to the mountains. And I was at the base of the mountains. I'm like, Heavenly Father, if, if this church is true, um, I want you to uh, to appear and or send me an angel. Uh, nothing happened. So I'm like, maybe I got to go up higher. So I hiked up the, all the way to the top of the mountain. I could see down at the valley. I could see my house. I got down on my knees and I prayed. I'm like, Heavenly Father, if this church is true, um, send me an angel. Show me a sign. And something happened. My stomach rumbled and I, and I realized I was hungry. So I got, I got up off my knees and walked down the mountain and, and got on my motorcycle and went home. That was my attempt to ask in faith. This time I was a little bit more desirable to know my Heavenly Father. So I got down on my knees and I asked Heavenly Father, oh, my Heavenly Father, I have learned in 35 chapter 9 verse 20. In fact, I'm going to go there. Third Nephi chapter nine, verse 20. If you guys remember, this is, this is a group of people who were milling about. Well, actually they weren't milling about yet because third Nephi 12 is when they were milling about the, the temple lots a, a year after the destruction happened. But third Nephi nine, they had just experienced darkness, um, depression, um, destruction, and all sorts of things that were happening. And, uh, and they hear a voice. They hear a voice in the darkness. And they learn some things. And so 35, uh, 920, um, I'm going to start with 35, 917, because I think it's beautiful. And, and they hear some things. Um, actually, verse, you know, verse 15, the voice they hear, behold, I am Jesus Christ, the son of God. I created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. I was with the father from the beginning. I am in the father and the father in me and in me hath the father glorified his name. And I find it interesting that in verse 13, we, we identify who survived this, this destruction. Oh, all ye that are spared because ye were more righteous than they. And sometimes what I find interesting is today in 2021, sometimes uh, certain organizations, certain people who belong to organizations believe that they are more righteous than others because of who they belong with. But I've learned that more righteous, there's, there's a more powerful principle about more righteous, and that is in DNC 84. In fact, I'm going to go there. DNC 84. I think it's 53. We learn a little bit about who the righteous are. So DNC 84. Verse 53. Um, I'm going to start in verse 43. And now I give unto you a commandment to beware concerning yourselves, to give heed diligently to the words of eternal life. 
For you shall live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. For the word of the Lord is truth, and whatsoever is truth is light, and whatsoever is light is spirit, even the spirit of Jesus Christ. And the spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world, and the spirit enlighteneth every man through the world through the world that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit. And everyone that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit cometh unto God, even the Father. And the Father teacheth him of the covenant which he has renewed and confirmed upon you, which is confirmed upon you for your sakes and not for your sakes only, but for the sake of the world. And the whole world lieth in sin and groaneth under darkness and under the bondage of sin. And why are they under the the bondage of sin. Why does God want us to come unto him? How does he want to teach us how to become perfect? Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a perfect example of that. And verse 50 in section 84, and by this you may know they are under the bondage of sin because they come not unto me. For whoso cometh not unto me is under the bondage of sin. And whoso receiveth not my voice is not acquainted with my voice and is not of me. And by this you may know the righteous from the wicked. And that the whole world groaneth under sin and darkness even now. And your minds and times past have darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things you have received. And so I've learned that the more righteous are those people who listened to the voice of the Lord. And these guys were not completely righteous in 359. They were part of the more righteous. And so they were practicing learning revelation. They were practicing how to know and, and learn and understand God's voice. And back to 35 chapter um, 9, verse 19. Actually, 18. I am the light and the life of the world. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Here is Jesus Christ coming. He is coming to these people in darkness. And he shall offer up unto me no more the shedding of blood. Yea, your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away, for I will accept none of your sacrifices and your burnt offerings. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Have we received the Holy Ghost? And so I'm like, okay, well, I want to, re- I want to have, a, I want to have a relationship. And so I got down on my knees and I and I plead with my heavenly Father. I'm like, heavenly Father, um, have I wanted to know this answer? Have I received the Holy Ghost? Because as a receiver, I learned something. I can run crisp routes and I can do everything and I can get myself open. But if the quarterback does not throw me the ball, it's not coming to me. And I can run crisp routes and I can get open and the qu- quarterback can throw me the ball. And if I am not willing to receive that pass. It still doesn't matter. And DNC 50, I've learned some beautiful things on how to become edified and how to receive um, the message with the Holy Ghost and how to teach with the Holy Ghost. And so I've had some spiritual experiences. And so I got down on my, knee, my knees and I'm like, Heavenly Father, have I received the Holy Ghost? And the answer came back, no. I'm like, well, Heavenly Father, I've received some spiritual experiences in the past. I know I have, and you know I have. Are these spiritual experiences the same as receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And the answer was no. Michael, Heavenly Father, 
uh, these spiritual experiences, the baptism of fire that is spoken about in the scriptures as well? And the answer was no. Here I am devastated. I was a seminary teacher for 16 years. And I use the word past tense was because um, I have since gone on to um, pursue my dreams of speaking on stage and inspiring people and helping them come unto Jesus Christ and to realize that um, the great I am is the solution to everything. And if we exclude Jesus Christ from our lives, we have just made the formula incomplete. We have just made our lives incomplete. And that was my greatest desire was to know Jesus Christ and to have the Holy Ghost. And I was devastated. And so I asked another question to my Heavenly Father, oh my Heavenly Father, can I receive the Holy Ghost? And the answer came back, yes. I'm like, can I receive it now? And there was no answer. It was silence. Um, and so I've been on a journey. And, and, and in this process, I, I've, come, I've come to uh, discover 35, 9, 20, a little bit clearer. So as I go to the temple, as I went to the temple, I, I realized that uh, one of the things that I, I promised to do, I covenanted to do, was to live the law of sacrifice. And I always, I always wondered what the law of sacrifice was. And here it is, boom, just jumping out of me in the darkness. And the same way as these people in, uh, in America were in darkness, here's the answer. And here's the answer to me. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And so I, I, I continued my prayer, my plead with my Heavenly Father. I'm like, Heavenly Father, what can I place upon this altar? And how can I demonstrate my broken heart and a contrite spirit? And the answer came back. I want you to put the traditions of your fathers on the altar so you can find the tradition of your father. This hit me pretty hard because I love my mom and my dad. I love my fathers. I love what they taught me. I love what I've learned in, in, in on my mission and in the scriptures. And, uh, and, um, it hit me hard. I want you to put the traditions of your fathers on the altar so you can find the tradition of your father. I had learned that Joseph Smith taught me that salvation cannot come without revelation. And what was interesting too here is, you know, the word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypse, which means to make known or to uncover. And I always wanted a great big, huge vision, a dream, something that would like smack me in the face and say, Jeff, this is my church. This is my doctrine. This is my gospel. And, um, and, I, and I wanted so much more. The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypse, which means to make known or to uncover. In the Spanish Bible, the last book in the Bible isn't revelation, not revelacion. It is apocalypsis, apocalypse, which means revelation. And what's interesting is the book of Revelation, which was written by John the Revelator, is a book intended to make known or to uncover Jesus Christ. That is his work and his glory to bring to pass the immortality, eternal life of man. It is to help us come unto the Father. 
in the flesh, in this lifetime, not in the next lifetime. And, and I knew that was true. I knew that was true. Um, and so I had to, I had to start this process of, okay, Heavenly Father, what must I do in order to place the traditions of my father on the altar so that I might find the tradition of my father? And this year in, in, uh, in Come Follow Me is the Doctrine and Covenants. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was instead of finding out what the curriculum department was saying, what the manuals were saying, um, what the conference talks were saying. And by the way, uh, mind you, one of my traditions in the past was I would um, read the conference talks in English. Every single one of them after I listened to them, I listened to them um, Saturday and Sunday. I used to hate them as a kid. My mom made me watch at least one session when I was younger. Um, and I and I grew to love them. And I, and, and I loved and I was excited for these things. And and so I would I would read the conference. I would watch them and I would read them um, in English, waiting for them to come out in Spanish. And so when they came out in Spanish, I would read them again. And so six months later, there was a whole a whole other section. I would write them. I would highlight them. I'd take notes. And uh, and I was I did that for five years. And I was starting to realize that there's a pattern that's happening here. And I also learned too that there was a, a loud noise in my head that I needed to study the words of Isaiah. Nephi talked about studying the words of Isaiah. Jesus Christ talked about studying the words of Isaiah. And um, and I was starting to regain that relationship and recognize revelation. And, uh, and again, this is just how many times has Joseph Smith used the term ask of God? And how many times do we go ask somebody else? It was interesting. We always go back to the sources because that's how we've been taught. But we need to rely upon the source. Joseph Smith, uh, it was mentioned in the teaching of the prophet Joseph Smith that God hath not revealed anything to Joseph, but what he will make known unto the twelve. And even the least saint may know all things as fast as he is able to bear them. For the day must come when no man need say to his neighbor, Know ye the Lord, for, ye, for all shall know him who remain from the least to the greatest. How is this done? Joseph Smith says that the Holy Ghost is a revelator and no man can receive the Holy Ghost without receiving revelations. And so what's important and what's essential here is we need to understand what revelation is. We need to understand how God talks to us. D&C 6, 7, and 8, 9 are perfect instructions on how to receive revelation, how to recognize revelation, and how, to, and how God re, and speaks to us. As I mentioned to you before, the blueprint to perfection is found in Matthew 5 through 7 and 35, 12 through 14. And I want to share with you guys three things as I've gone through this journey. And I went and shared with my mom and dad the things that uh, I've been told. And I told them, my mom, have you ever thought that perhaps maybe we haven't received the Holy Ghost yet? And it didn't didn't even dawn upon her because she too wants to know Jesus Christ. And then I told her the message from my father that he wants me to place the traditions of my father on the altar so that I can find the tradition of my father. And she broke down and she's like, didn't we teach you right? I'm like, mom and dad, you taught me fantastic. You taught me everything you knew, the best you knew. And I've discovered some things that have helped me personally on this, on this journey. A little disclaimer, by the way, I have not received the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost yet, but I do believe I understand the path so much more clear today than I did 10 months ago. 
I want to quickly go to 3 Nephi chapter 14 and take a look at this at these three things, these three invitations that Jesus Christ gives us to help us know him. Now this acronym, ASK FOR, A-S-K-F-O-R, are specific invitations. You know, I always thought that they were um, you know, the same thing. They're synonymous, ASK, SEEK, KNOCK. And, and, you, and you'll receive and you'll find and it'll be open unto you. But in this journey of placing the tradition of my fathers on the altar and realizing that, that there's more to it in receiving the Holy Ghost than having some hands laid upon your head and saying, receive the Holy Ghost, I've discovered some things that I want to share with you. Now, here's what's interesting is most people um, will go, you know, where do we look for truth? And we like to go to Google. We like to go to Twitter. We like to go to Facebook. We like to go to YouTube. We like to rely upon the arm of the flesh. And, and it's just a fun little quick little thing here that I want to share with you. Oh, hey, Mike. Where do you have to? Oh, just diagramming this accident with my State Farm Pocket Agent app. Hmm. You can also get a quote and pay your premium with this thing. I thought State Farm didn't have all those apps. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. They can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The, the internet. internet. Oh, look. Here comes my date. I met him on the internet. He's a French model. Uh, bonjour. <laughs> um, anyway. How often do we do we go to the sources to find the answers? And I, and, I, and I love this question here is, you know, what was the first thing Heavenly Father said when he appeared to Joseph Smith Jr.? He called him, he said, Joseph. He called him by name. And if any of you guys are struggling in receiving revelation, I want you to understand that the Jesus, Jesus and Heavenly Father know you by name. They're aware of your circumstances. And there's certain things that we need to do in order to help us, help us um, find the answers. So if you go with me to 3 Nephi chapter 14, I'm going to finish with this. 3 Nephi chapter, chapter 14, verse 7. And if, and if you want to go to Matthew 7, you can go there too. I love them both. But Jesus Christ teaches his people how to obtain perfection, how to become complete, how to become whole, how to come into Heavenly Father's presence, how to find the way and how to enter the gate. Ask for, ask of God. And this ask for is an acronym. And if you take a look at it in verse seven, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And like I mentioned to you before, I always thought that these, these three things were the same thing. Ask, seek, and knock, same thing. But I realized that there's specific invitations that Jesus Christ is teaching us. And if you look at verses 9, 10, and 11, he kind of gives us an, an idea of what the first one is. By the way, if you haven't noticed right there, ASK stands for ask, seek, and knock. The F-O-R is find, open, and receive. The ask and the receive are the bookends to this whole thing that Jesus Christ wants us in order to obtain perfection, in order to enter the gate, in order to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we struggle so much to ask for because sometimes... I, I believe most of us don't know what to ask for. Most of us don't know what to, to sacrifice. 
Most of us are guessing the gospel. And in verses 9, 10, and 11, we learn that, Oh, what man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? God is going to give us what we ask. In fact, he warns us and he teaches us and he tells us in section 88, hey, be careful what you ask for. Make sure that it's expedient unto your salvation. Make sure that it's expedient unto you because I will give you what you ask for. And there's a whole other list on here that uh, that we can provide for you that uh, um, all throughout the scriptures, we learn what God wants us to ask for. And I believe the first thing he wants us to ask for is to receive revelation because we cannot receive the Holy Ghost without receiving revelation. And we cannot be saved without, we cannot be saved without revelation. And so if you go back to the very, very um, last verse of the, of the previous chapter, chapter 13, we learn what the seek is. What does he ask us to seek for? And the very, very second to the last verse, he teaches us and he tells us exactly what he wants us to seek for. And in, in 35, chapter 13, verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does he want us to seek for? To seek first? He wants us to seek first the kingdom of God. His work and his glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And if you search the scriptures, you can see what else he asks us to seek for. Section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants. I love this one. It's so beautiful. Section 84, section 88, and section 93 need to be read in succession and together because it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful uh, pattern of how to find light and, and what truth is and who Jesus Christ is and how we can see him and how we can enter into his presence. And not just in the next life, but in this life. In section 93, verse 1. Verily, thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. Section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants. I think it's 64, verse 64, but section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse um Sixty-eight, maybe. We'll start in sixty-six. Behold, that which you hear is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, in the wilderness because you cannot see him. My voice, because my voice is spirit. My spirit is truth. Truth abideth and hath no end. And if it be in you, it shall abound. And if your eye be single unto my glory, your whole body shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you. And that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things. Verse sixty-eight. Therefore, sanctify yourselves that your minds become single to God and the days will come that you shall see him for he will unveil his face unto you and it shall be in his own time, in his own way and according to his own will. Seek, seek him, seek him in the flesh, seek him while it is called today. And so the K, knock, knock. What are we supposed to knock for? 
or, or, or what are we supposed to knock on? And, and, and Nephi teaches us the gate. He wants us to enter into the gate. And, and something that's so beautiful here is, is I learned that if you, if we go to second Nephi chapter, second uh, Nephi nine, Second Nephi 9. By the way, I love verse 2 um, Nephi 9, verse 39. It's a beautiful little acronym to smile, to remember, to smile. Smile is an acronym. Spiritually minded is life eternal. Oh, my beloved brother, remember the awfulness in transgressing against the holy God and also the awfulness of yielding to the enticings of that cunning one. Remember to be carnally minded as death and to be spiritually minded as life eternal. Smile. Revelation is available to us if we will just but seek. Ask, seek, and then knock. And here's what I wanted to, to end. We're going to end right here. Oh, my beloved brethren, give ear to my words. Remember the greatness of the Holy One of Israel. Do not say that I have spoken hard things against you, for if ye do, ye will revile against the truth. For I have spoken the words of your maker. I know that the words of truth are hard against all uncleanness, but the righteous fear them not, for they love the truth and are not shaken. Remember, what is the righteousness? Who are the righteous? Who are the more righteous? Those who listen to his commandments, who receive revelation. Oh, then, my beloved brethren, come unto the Lord, the Holy One. Remember that his paths are righteous. Behold, the way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel. Who's the keeper of the gate? The Holy One of Israel. And what is the gate? It is the portal that leads to the path that leads to the tree of life. The gate is baptism of water, baptism of fire, and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph Smith teaches us there, there's the need for all three. But it lieth in a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel. And he employeth no servant there. And there is none other way save it be by the gate, for he cannot be deceived. For the Lord God is his name. And whoso knocketh, to him will he open. And the wise and the learned and they that are rich who are puffed up because of their learning and their wisdom and their riches, yea, they are they whom he despiseth. And say they shall cast these things away and consider themselves fools before God and come down in the depths of humility, he will not open unto them. Jesus Christ wanted me to place the traditions of my fathers on the altar so I can find the tradition of my father. One of the traditions that I have held on to is I believed I had received the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. And I was seeking after and searching for the second comforter. And the sad truth is I hadn't received the first comforter. If you think you know the answers, you will never ask the questions. And if you never ask the questions, you'll never receive the answers. Here are a few things that I believe we need to start with asking. What is my plan and purpose? Your, your individual plan. What is, what, is, what, what is my plan and purpose? What does God want me to do? Is Joseph Smith a true prophet of God? Did he truly restore the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did he teach us how to get to the gate, enter the gate and go through there?
did he establish the fullness of the gospel and teach us how to do that very thing? Did Joseph Smith translate the Book of Mormon? Because the Book of Mormon is where we find the new and everlasting covenant. The Doctrine of Covenants is, is what, uh, you know, is reestablishing that. And in this process of, of looking at the revelations word for word, word by word by word, um, with the Joseph Smith papers, I've, I've made it all the way up to section 88 in this arduous process. And I realized that, you know what, Jeff? I want you to place the traditions of your fathers on the altar so you can find the tradition of your father. I want you to ask. I want you to seek and I want you to knock. And I want you to do it my way, not your way. Did God the Father and Jesus Christ appear to Joseph Smith? Ask and ye shall receive. Does the Book of Mormon contain the fullness of the gospel? Ask of God and find out for yourself. What must I sacrifice and receive to enter into the gate? Search it out. Can I really see the face of God in the flesh during my lifetime? Maybe somebody else, but not me. Do we really truly believe the commandments of God? Or do they pertain, pertain to everyone else but us? Are you tired of guessing the gospel? Or do you not want to know the way? What must I do to know Jesus Christ? That is my greatest desires, is to know Jesus Christ. I believe I'm on that path. My relationship with my Heavenly Father has increased. I have realized for myself that ask, seek, and knock are three specific invitations that Heavenly Father wants us to do. He wants us to sacrifice a broken heart and contrite spirit. And he goes on, goes on to teach us in 3 Nephi 12, 13, and 14, and 15, and 16, and 17. And a lot of times we, we make it harder than it really needs to be. And I just wanted to share those things with you because... Um, Holy Ghost is essential. And so often we, we, we take the light of Christ, the experiences that we've had with the light of Christ and associate that with the Holy Ghost. When in reality, we have not received the Holy Ghost because Nephi clearly states what the Holy Ghost does for us. In Third Nephi chapter 32, he tells us what the fruits of the Holy Ghost are. Once we receive the Holy Ghost, and now behold, my beloved brethren, in Second Nephi 32, my, I suppose that ye ponder somewhat in your hearts concerning that which ye should do after ye have entered in by the way. But behold, why do you ponder these things in your hearts? Do you not remember that I said unto you that after ye had received the Holy Ghost, ye could speak with the tongue of angels? And now how could you speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said unto you, feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. I continue to go back to the scriptures and you need to. But the words of Christ come from God. Direct revelation, personal revelation. And if it truly comes from God, it is going to correlate and connect with the scriptures. But how often do you go to the scriptures first before you go to God? How often do you go to the sources instead of the source? 
Oliver Cowdery said, whenever God has had a people on earth, he always has revealed himself to them by the Holy Ghost, the ministering of angels or his own voice. Do you truly want to know Jesus Christ? Because I do. I'm willing to give up everything like King Lamoni's father, my whole kingdom, so that I might know Jesus Christ, even my traditions. And I figured if I can place them up on the altar and I can hold them up to the light, and if they don't hold water, get rid of them. But I know I'm on the path. I'm starting to receive revelation more often, more clear, and more consistent. My faith is increasing day by day. And I know that your faith can increase day by day. Remember, anything Jesus touches lives. Allow Jesus to touch your life because your life in his hands is worth a whole lot more than what you can do. I'm learning to experience that for myself. And I share these things with you in his name, even Jesus Christ. Amen.